I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, my text is in Luke chapter uh, 2, and I really appreciate Mark putting it in big print. Um, so, Luke chapter 2, and as I'm reading it, maybe you want to imagine Linus and Charlie Brown Christmas, maybe, reading this passage. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would anoint your word, that you would open our hearts to receive from you, that you would comfort us and minister, our heart, minister to our hearts, that you would challenge us and encourage us, and that we would know, Lord, that uh, this day that the angels uh, came upon is the day in which you came near, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. And there's the response all the time. Um, those of you that may not know me, I think I've been here on Wednesday nights now long enough or maybe you know who I am. I uh, moonlight as a second grade teacher, which is a lot of fun. Um, today I'm trying to teach double digit uh, subtraction with regrouping, which the fact that I survived that attempt today uh, just speaks to the grace of the Lord because I don't like to have sharp objects around me when I'm trying to help children calculate um, double digits. Um, and there are some things that uh, um, frustrate me more than, than others. Uh, this year I have a class of 17 students, and out of those 17 students, 13 of them are reading below the 10th percentile nationally. So that means they're really low. Um, one, one young man said to me, I can't read that word, Mr. G. Would you tell me what that word is? And I had him pointed at it, and I said, you mean is? Um, so out of my 17 students, I have uh, 12 that are below the 10th percentile in math. And so um, teaching second grade curriculum to this group is a challenge. And it's because... You know, we've been two school, two, year, two school years out with COVID, but there are lots of other things that are going on uh, in the lives of our children and in our families. And one of the things that I continually focus on is the lack of foundations. Um, kids come to school knowing less than they ever did before. I mean, there's always been a, a, a group of students where uh, mom and dad sent them to school to learn and didn't do anything with them beforehand. You always have that bunch. It just seems to be less and less. And the influence of um, media and video games and anything to keep them busy is just uh, growing, it seems, that they come in with less. And I was thinking about that this evening, about, uh, well, prior to this evening, as I was in preparation about um, 
We see some of that spill over into the church as well, where we come into the church, we come to church knowing less about Jesus, less about our faith, less about what real Christianity is. And um, it just, uh, sometimes it can also be troubling. I mean, I don't want to be one of those 1% people where the pastor's going, two plus two is, and I'm going, five? You know, I, I don't know. So we want to um, really uh, study to show ourselves approved. I'm looking through Facebook, and well, this started, I was watching a movie the other night, it was about the evolution and creation um, issue. And uh, that was basically the whole point of the movie. Uh, just watched that the other night. I scroll through Facebook and I see a lot of uh, real political uh, posts, either they're pro-choice or pro-life, Republicans or Democrats. And um, a lot of this for Christian people, I just want to say, you know, sometimes maybe we need to hold back just a little on uh, making sure that uh, we express our political opinions and really make sure that we are uh, expressing and uh, proclaiming Jesus. And that's kind of what I wanted. Because I can't imagine in the first century, um, Christians really getting too caught up between Octavius and Pompey. Who are you for? You know, which one's better? Um, so that's kind of what's driving this is I want to, I, I really wanted to kind of go through the scriptures and take us through some doctrinal issue. And then uh, God kind of slapped me on the head and said, well, I want you to do this instead. So there is going to come a day if I ever get a Wednesday where we're going to go through some things. Um, but I encourage you to, to seek out what you believe uh, and know why you believe and what you believe, why you believe it, so that you can communicate it to others effectively. Because we have an opportunity during this time of the season where the whole world kind of stops and celebrates Jesus. And they want to know. Because this, this country that we live in, this world that we live in, knows less and less about the authentic Jesus. And you and I have the, the opportunity to share with them. A um, couple of books just to recommend you, first of all, is uh, Philip Yancey's Disappointed with God. I referenced that before. Um, three questions he asked, is God unfair, is God silent, is God hidden? Uh, Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, really, really... Um, talks a lot about the meat of um, of Christianity and 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 uh, is a real good foundation apologetics text. Um, and I have some others, but I can't read them because my print's too small. Um, so, going to start right away with uh, basically this first point. Um, the shepherds were living out in the fields, which is what shepherds do, and they keep watch over their flocks at night because what happens to sheep in, at night if they're not guarded? They get attacked, right? They get, they, because they live in a dangerous world. It's a dangerous world. Um, and so your first point there is silence in the darkness. And I'm going to build on that a little bit. And... What really started me here was this idea of as we came into Christmas um, and the darkness. Christmas is one of the saddest time of the year for a lot of people. There's a lot of depression that happens during over Christmas, during the holidays. And um, recently I've had the opportunity, I've mentioned this before, where uh, 
I had some uh, grief that came into my life in like rapid succession. And one of them was my best friend I went to high school with died the day after Christmas, 57 years old. And um, it was just a shock. And it seems to be like this past year, I'm just switching back and forth with grieving whoever uh, I have lost, whether it was my brother who died or my father who's died, or even my mother who's been gone for 18 years. It seems I've had nothing but triggers all year long. And when you're in that stage of grief, it's very easy to get uh, caught up in the darkness. I had a, a conversation with my friend's widow and it was like, you know, this is hard. It's just, you know, it's not the way that it should be. And uh, I'm at a position where I don't feel like I have any words of encouragement. You know, you don't know what to say. It's just like, and so it's, it's very difficult, this um, area of darkness. And the question is, is, is God silent during this time? And um, the interesting thing about the, the Bible is this period between the last uh, prophetical book, Malachi, in the Old Testament and the uh, first book of the New Testament or the New Testament time period. They call that the, those the silent years, that 400 years there. It's called the silent years since uh, Israel had a uh, prophetic word from God. And um, I got a scripture here for us in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. It says, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. And um in that text, Isaiah is really talking to uh, the people of Israel about living by faith, regardless of when the last time God spoke to the nation, you have the words that he's already spoken and to hold on to that. Um, because God's ways are not our ways. And we don't always understand why we are going through certain things. Um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, during the Civil War, his son, his young son, snuck out and joined the Army so he could fight for the Union during the Civil War. And in 1863, he was seriously wounded. And as uh, Longfellow was uh, making that trip to uh, discover how badly his son had been injured, and um, he kind of started to write down some of these words, uh, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That, of course, is I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And I believe they have a film out. I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, and later on in the stanza, Longfellow kind of writes during the stanza about uh, the bells, peace on earth. He says, does anyone hear them? So during this period of silence, when you are in the darkness, you feel alone, you feel afraid, you feel scared, you feel abandoned. And um, what's going on? There's 400 years of, of silence between Malachi and Matthew. A lot of things happened during that time. Uh, 
It was the growth of the Hellenistic culture, of the spread of the Greek empire, where Greek culture and Greek language went out throughout the known world. Secondly, um, the Jews fought the, 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 the wars with the Greeks uh, that's recorded in Maccabees, and they developed synagogues. Synagogues came to uh, uh, place during uh, this 400 years of silence between uh, the Testaments. Uh, Rome rose to power, and you might see that as a bad thing, but there was something that developed called the Pax Romana in uh, Roman uh, technology. They had their Roman roads where it was safe to travel, and people could travel throughout the known world um, at the time. And lastly, one of the things that was important was the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament, was translated into Greek so that we could take then, uh, have a translation of the scriptures that became um, our Bible during the time. And so a lot of things happened during that period of time where God had a plan. And I uh, just want to encourage you that when you're in darkness, God's word says, even the darkness will not be dark to you, to the Lord. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. God's not afraid of the dark, okay? So it doesn't matter how dark things may seem to you. God is not afraid of the dark. He's right there in the midst. And it's Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the darkness of death, even as you walk through a season of grief, I will be there with you. My rod and my staff, they comfort me. So God promises his presence through the darkness, has anybody ever seen Messiah? I had Handel's performance of Messiah during the Christmas season. Have you ever gone to see that? We went to uh, uh, see it back in the day uh, in the 90s, I think it was at the palace. And uh, as they go through the Messiah, they hit the lights and it became dark in the uh, auditorium as they started with the chorus of the Hallelujah Chorus. It was just dark. And then you hear this, our Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And it builds and it builds to crescendo until there's the great big chorus that comes out with the hallelujah and the lights are up and celebrating uh, God's omnipotence and who he is. And I think that is kind of what happens here in uh, the, 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 uh, the valley in uh, outside of Bethlehem is that the shepherds are living in darkness. They haven't heard uh, from the Lord a prophetic uh, uh, utterance from, uh, from God in 400 years. And then, boom, suddenly God shows up and the light shines in the darkness. And I have uh, good tidings, glad tidings, uh, good news of great joy. Today, something has happened. Today, God has uh, done something that you will not believe. That is beyond your wildest dreams. And that's my second point. Is that darkness and that silence has broke to great tidings of glad tidings of joy. What is our, our, our hymn that we like to sing during this time? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Galatians 4.4 which isn't on this text here.
Galatians 4, 4. But when the, time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And I love that verse in Galatians 4, 4. Because what it does is it shows me that even during this time of 400 years when people don't know what's going on, they're looking for Messiah under every rock. They, they're hoping that he'll come. Uh, they, they are... are um, uh, reacting negatively to the yoke of Rome that's upon them. They, they're like the, the Jews in Egypt, crying out against their slavery. Um, and boom, all of a sudden, a host of angels appear. All of a sudden, the chorus goes up. Glory to God in the highest. Because the time had fully come. God had a plan. You see, things don't happen to you and I randomly. Things happen to us. There isn't anything that happens to us, whether it's positive or negative, that doesn't first go through the, through the hands of God, through the fingers of the Lord. And you may say, well, why did this have to happen? And why did that have to happen? Uh, I don't understand. And I can sit there right with you and agree. I don't understand either. I don't know the answer this side of heaven. But I do know that God has a plan because God is delivered. He does not do these things by accident. During these 400 years, he was preparing the way for Jesus to come. John chapter 1, verse 14. And I love the way that John puts this. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And there's a whole uh, bunch on what does John mean by uh, the term the word. But put it in this sense of prophecy that we have the Old Testament and what God is doing in the Old Testament where he's revealed himself to the people of Israel and then silence. And then in a manger in Bethlehem, the word became flesh because it's God's final word is Jesus. Everything that we need to know about God has been revealed in him. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, made his home amongst us, dwelt amongst us. If you go back to the Old Testament, when they were carrying the tabernacle around in the desert, um, the tabernacle was God's dwelling place with man. And it was movable and it was temporary. And, it, and it, they moved from place to place. And uh when the pillar of cloud would move during the day, they would get up and they'd break camp and they'd follow the cloud. When the pillar of fire would move at night, they'd break camp and they'd follow the cloud, the, the pillar of fire. It was temporary. They were always on the go. But here, God has made his dwelling place amongst us in Christ. It's permanent. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You can feel like you're in darkness, you can feel overwhelmed with grief, but understand that as you are walking, as you are moving, he is there right beside you. And if you can't, can't walk or can't move or, or you are overwhelmed, he will carry you. Technology. There we go. The incarnation is God becoming flesh. You should call his name Emmanuel, 
um, which means God with us. That whole idea of God making his dwelling amongst us. Whenever we become born again, what do we say? We ask Jesus into our heart, right? And he sits upon the throne of our heart. The idea that he is always with us as we receive him as our Savior. But I want to take a moment and just step back and look at uh, this whole idea of the incarnation. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Messiah is the anointed one. Linus, of course, says Christ the Lord. Um, NIV translated it back into the Hebrew, Messiah. Um, and basically, he was the one that the nation was waiting for. He was the one that had been prophesied about. He was the one that they spoke of to come. And I just wrote down um, just a few of these. Uh, one of the appeals to who Jesus is as um, being God incarnate, God in the flesh, one of the things that uh, we appeal to is uh, the biblical messianic prophecies, the prophecies that are relating to Jesus. And if you ever just take a cursory study of that, um, it's very interesting that Jesus fulfilled over 333 prophecies in his lifetime. Um, 40 of them, over 44 of them, were considered to be major uh, prophecies regarding the Messiah. And, uh, and then if you look at the, the verbiage at the end, he says, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The idea that the serpent will deal a blow um, but it won't be fatal. Yet the blow that um, the Messiah will do will be, a, will be a crushing blow, a fatal blow, crushing the serpent's head. And that points to what happened on Calvary. Jesus died on the cross. How is that not a fatal blow? Because he rose from the dead. He was not defeated. And instead, the resurrection defeated uh, the enemy, defeated the devil, and broke the power of sin uh, upon us. Genesis 3.15. Secondly, in Isaiah 7.14, most of us are aware of this verse, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel translated means God with us. Micah 5.2, uh, the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Uh, that was where the wise men, when they came and they uh, were seeking out Herod, uh, the, the scribes uh, brought that verse to Herod and to the wise men that he would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, following that, uh, God warned uh, Joseph to take uh, Mary and the baby Jesus to Egypt. Um, Hosea 11.1, 1, uh, out of Egypt I called my son. Herod also went by when uh, the wise men did not return. Uh, he sent his soldiers to kill every uh, son, uh, baby, baby boy, up, up to two years old. And uh, Jeremiah 31, 15 refers to uh, a voice is heard in Ramah mourning and great weeping. Rachel uh, re uh, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Um, these are things that were written down. If you look just at the Septuagint, they were written in print 250 years before Jesus was even born, before any of these events ever happened. 
The Messiah would be preceded by, uh, by Elijah. Isaiah 43, a voice one, of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert highway for our God. Um, Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6, uh, refers to uh, him being of the, the line of Jesse, who was the father of David. Um, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The deity of Christ is right there in that uh, verse, that Messianic prophecy. And then there are other verses referring to him uh, being of the line of Abraham and Jacob, uh, Isaac and Jacob. So the Messianic prophecies are there to support who Jesus is. If you just read the book of Matthew, you see that Matthew is constantly going back to the Old Testament whenever uh, something comes up uh, that uh, Jesus is fulfilling uh, as, as the Messiah. Also, they point, we point to the miracles that Jesus did uh, in the New Testament, showing his divinity. Uh, one of the miracles that uh, I reference here is found in John chapter 9, this idea of, of darkness, of before Christ came, uh, during that 400 years, there was a, there, the world had been in darkness. Uh, and Jesus takes the man who was born blind and pulls him aside and he heals him and he says these words. He says, uh, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, the light shines in the darkness and going back to John and the darkness did not overcome it. Uh, the idea that Jesus is the light that dispels darkness. And as we are going through this stage in our history at this time, it seems to be that our country, our politics, our world seems to be growing darker and darker. Uh, Jesus talks about uh, us needing to work while it is yet day. And so things are going to wrap up and Jesus is going to come again. And I want to encourage you to be ready to understand that uh, at his first appearing, nobody was expecting it, even though it had been promised for over a thousand years. Um, he appeared, to the, he, he announced it to the shepherds who were living out in the fields, to the poor and to the humble, uh, because the others were too busy, uh, focused on their own things. Uh, even though uh, Bethlehem was overcome with tourists, they had no room for him in the end. He was in a manger in a stable, uh, basically unannounced and humble beginnings and overlooked, yet he was the, the, the king of the universe, God in the flesh, and his majesty was there. A third point. It's always good when we're at seven o'clock and he's on his third point. So we're going to uh, go through this rather quickly. And basically, the, the fill in there is hope has come. Um, Amy Grant has a, has, a, has a song on her Christmas album about hope has come. And I just thought that was a great um, way to look at uh, Jesus stepping into uh, time and space. 
if you ever watch science fiction, anybody watch science fiction, Star Trek or Doctor Who or Star Wars or anything like that, whenever they go through time travel, I always thought this was interesting. Um, whenever they go through time travel, they talk about, and I don't remember what show, I think it was both Star Trek and, and, and uh, Doctor Who. Because they got this thing about, people really study that, I think, time travel. Um, that there are fixed points in history that cannot be changed. So these guys are running around going back in time and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're changing things like Back to the Future, you know. Uh, Marty's got a new car and uh, mom and dad, are, he's an author and they're successful and life is good. And there's just one small change decision that made everything better. But there are fixed points in history that cannot be changed. And I put to you right now that this is one of them. God stepped into the world and the world changed forever, never to be the same again. And nothing will change that. We, we set our date, uh, 2022, I got it right, right? Because I'm still writing 1992 on the board. 2022, okay? In the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, Jesus was born B.C., before Christ, that's how we set our history and our and our calendar, and uh, it's because this was such a momentous uh, uh, intervention that had such an impact on the world that the world will never be the same. Hope has come. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Today, a savior has been born to you. The revolutionary idea of, of Christianity is that uh, God is reaching out to you because he loves you and he wants to bring you to himself. And those things that you think hold you back from God and his holiness, he has dealt with on the cross. He shed his blood. He died as a substitute for you so that you can to, uh, go into the Holy of Holies and have relationship with God by the blood of the Lamb. Secondly, Romans chapter 8, verse 38, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation may be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it doesn't matter whether you are in a period right now of darkness. I want to let you know that God loves you and he's holding you through that. It will not separate you from his love. He is right there walking with you through the shadow uh, during this time. And we can have joy if we stand in faith. One of the other things about hope has come is that hope has come in the person of Jesus. He was flesh and blood. He had relationship with people. He could talk and he could, he could minister. He, could, uh, he ate and drank with his, his, his friends. He had fellowship with them. It wasn't something that we make up. Peter says we, do not follow, we did not follow cleverly invented stories, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter and John in the book of Acts in chapter 4 said that there was only one name under heaven by which you might be saved, which, might, man might be, which man might be saved, 
and the Sanhedrin, the very ruling council that was responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus, took note that these men had been with Jesus. There is something about Jesus that changes people. <laughs> I'm almost done, honey. Sorry. Um, last point. My wife's calling me. So <laughs> Thomas said to him when he, when he, when he uh, returned after the resurrection, he said, my Lord and my God, and he worshiped him. God loves us. God is with us. He is the God who is there. He saves us. He has given us grace. We are saved by grace, not through ourselves, but because he is rich in mercy, he has made us alive in Christ. And we walk in faith, which is the confidence not of uh, what we have seen. It's confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Longfellow uh, wrote uh, in the end of that hymn, he came back and he said, then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth and goodwill to men. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live though he die. And he who believes in me will never die. And that's most of it because my screen keeps going away and I want to end. Um, and I will pass on that one. I want to encourage you to seek out discipleship to grow in your faith. I want to seek you not, I want to encourage you not to be afraid of doctrine, to start looking for these things so you can be more solid in your faith. So when winds blow against you, when life happens to you, it doesn't overwhelm you. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would um, bring it to fruit, that you would encourage each of us to continue to walk in our faith and celebrate you this Christmas season, that we might know what we believe, that we know why we believe it, and that we would communicate it effectively to a world that has points of need that we can impact with the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.